welcome to the Embrace Your Light podcast. We are your hosts, Rebecca Lyons and Daniel Massey. And every week, we are going to take you on a journey filled with spiritual exploration, inspiration, and expansion. Each week, we will guide you down the path of ancient spiritual wisdom and new age enlightenment from some incredible guides so that you can continue your spiritual journey with ease, grace, and a little bit of fun. So this week we have a very special guest. We have Tulsi, who is a Reiki grandmaster, speaker and crystal healer, having the ability to reprogram crystals and provide a thorough crystal feng shui service, which includes the perfect placement for the crystals in the house, workspace, mode of transport and on person. Having survived a plane crash at the age of 10, in which it took her immediate family, as well as leaving her with life-changing scars, she describes this as a pivotal moment in her life. Her passion for helping people transpires from all the services she provides, but fundamentally, it's sharing her story that really brings about the inspiration for people to want to make those changes to better their lives and to live with true authenticity. So welcome, Tulsi. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Becky. Hi, Daniel. Thank you so much for having me. We're so excited to have you on. And I think it would be crazy to start this episode without acknowledging what you've been through and to talk about that experience, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> what would you like to know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a plane crash at such a young age, that must have been uh, that's insane. Yeah, I think sometimes when I even tell my story, I really feel like I'm just sharing someone else's life. Um, and, you know, like I suppose even in our own lives, when we're going through something, obviously it's intense at the time. But then when you talk about it, it's like, did I really overcome that? Or did that actually really happen in my life? So sometimes when I do talk about the plane crash, I do really feel like I'm telling someone else's story. But obviously, every time I'm telling it, I'm reliving those memories and the pain that I went through and everything that I overcome. And I realized that I'm standing here because of that, you know, and that, like I'm really grateful for that, too. Yeah, it's a miracle that you survived. And oh, what happened? How did the plane crash? So it was, um, as it was landing, it bounced a few times and then it hit the uh, runway. So just as it was landing. So this was in India, um, back in Bangalore. And um, so, yeah, with my family, uh, my parents wanted to let me and my brother experience India, you know, like the rural and the raw way. And because obviously here in the UK, you know, we're really fortunate, you know, we've got running electricity, we've got water, we've got everything. And he wanted us, well, my dad wanted us to experience life and really just be grateful. And especially before I was going to start high school. So me and my brother are really excited. Um, we're about to tour India and me and my brother wanted to go Goa because for us, if you say India, for me, that's the definition is a beach. You know, It's not like streets and things that like villages. It's basically a beach, but we didn't get our way. And my parents said, right, we're going to start with Bangalore. We're going to go around the south of India and then we'll go to Goa like as our end stop. So where me and him were really disappointed and reluctantly we got on the plane. And then I was fighting with him to sit by the window and him being the youngest, he got his way. So literally that's all I remember. And then I hear my grandmother's voice who I left back here in the UK and she's crying. Now, like my grandma of that age and that time, you know, they're like, they're like iron women. They don't show emotion. They're very strong and very fierce. And that's what my grandma was. So for her to be crying, telling me I've been involved in a plane crash, that I look different and that my family are no more. Whereas in my head, I'm fighting with my brother, thinking she's come to surprise us on the plane. So, so much confusion, but like yet so real. That gave me goosebumps. That's unbelievable. So you must have blacked out during the whole process and woke up, I guess, in the hospital? Yeah, so I so I was obviously in and out of sedation. Um, I think in like literally what you've just said, it's like I did blank out, but it's like almost 
like what an amazing way for the universe to have done that for me because had I maybe been awake or more conscious, like I could have been a lot more impacted on a mental level than I was. Um, But yeah, to wake up in hospital just to the sound of my grandma's voice, plus the voice of a young medic doctor, who to me was just a foreign voice. But in my head, he could have been the air steward, you know, for all I know. But because my eyes were bandaged, I was in and out of sedation. Time's a blur, but it's when I'm flown back to the UK and I met with my aunties and cousins. Again, it feels like they're on the plane surprising me, yet they're telling me the same information that my grand did. But it still hasn't sunk in, even though I'm back in the UK, um, because between the time of the accident, which is February 14th, 1990, to when my bandages are removed from my eyes. It's about four to six weeks. So four to six weeks, I'm in and out of theatre and, you know, skin grafts and plastic surgery and being treated for smoke inhalation, you know, the whole package. I'm just being taken care of because obviously not only is it the machines keeping me alive, but my family visiting me, making me feel as normal as possible, um, not to rock the boat, you know, not to sort of make it out that I'm the victim or anything. So I'm really unaware of actually what's happened or the severity of what's happened. Wow. Like, I cannot imagine going through something like that. And I do a lot of trauma work because I, I do shadow work. And with trauma, the brain can kind of just, it like takes over and tries to protect you. So it does things like that. It blacks things out or obscures mm. what it is that you're seeing to keep you safe. And it seems like that was so necessary with everything that you went through. Oh, completely. And something most surreal happened in a very recent time was just last year um, in one of my meditation, like the self meditation that I do, I actually went back to the accident site. So I actually sat on the field and I watched the whole thing, which was at first I was like, whoa, is this my mind playing tricks or what's actually going on here? But when I realized I was in a safe space in meditation and where in the last year actively I'm trying to observe my feelings rather than participate in them. So I managed to watch the whole show like it was a TV program. I watched the plane come down. I saw myself being set on fire. You know, I saw the whole thing. And I weren't, I wasn't like disturbed by it. I was just fascinated that, wow. So when I came out of the meditation, I actually had to see, like, I had to check whether this was my mind playing tricks or whether this was me reliving a situation to maybe put closure on it, to maybe find some peace. And sometimes we think we're making up a situation because we don't know if it's real or not. So the amazing soul who pulled me out from the plane wreckage, who we, who I'm still in contact with now as a family friend, in fact, when I spoke to him just before the anniversary of my accident last week, he actually confirmed everything that I saw as he was sharing this story. And this is the first time he's actually shared this with me, which was incredible as he was sharing it, it was literally like tick, tick, tick with everything that I saw in my meditation. Mm. And I was like, thank you, universe, because there are times when you think you're going nuts. Like, did this happen? Was this this? Was it that? Because obviously our mind loves to create scenarios and things. But when he said that, I found this most amazing inner peace that I didn't even know I was looking for. And it literally gave me the closure. So my closure to my accident is very new. So as I'm saying this podcast, this is like probably the second or third time I'm talking about it. But um, so much excitement. Like the, it's like literally the finale of my past and saying thank you and making peace with it. And now I can move on. Oh, that's so beautiful. I'm so happy that you got to have that experience. Powerful. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. And I, um, I wanted to, to find out sort of how long did it take for you to 
get into meditation and the crystals and everything that you love and that you're so passionate about. And um, was that a journey? I can't get my words out. Was this something that was introduced to you like when you were younger to help you or did you come to it yourself or were you introduced to it? And how has that impacted your your life and just like helping you heal and and you know like go back to those memories and get that closure is just so powerful so powerful same thing that's a good question yeah it's so that's a really great question so yeah um for me from a young age uh like growing up in like a hindu you know background like it wasn't something that was pushed upon me but i understood this spiritual aspect of it but never put two and two together because when my accident happened, I very much blame God, whatever God was. I blame God that took my beauty, made me go through all this hell, took my family, and I became a very non-believer. So therefore, I closed off any kind of external help, be it from a spiritual kind of esoteric perspective or even from a mind perspective. But um, every so often, things would come into my path. So which I didn't know at the time was going to pave the way. But um, a very, very, very dear friend of mine from um, Wisconsin, who at that time we met on High Five, which was the most bizarre thing back in the days. And he started you met on, to... on where? I think it was High Five. It was some random, you know, social network kind of uh, thing online. Like, like, <laughs> like um... Oh gosh, I'm like a MySpace and all of these. Yeah, that's of the things. one I was yeah. thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like two things back then. I thought it was just MySpace or like you talk to people was, on AIM. Yeah, there was like yeah, this weird high five. Well. Yeah, there was so okay. many. And then, so yeah, then he started introducing me to Eckhart Tolle. You know, the power of now and quantum healing, Deepak Chopra, which in my surrounding, those type of books weren't even in my radar. So I started to read it and I was like, okay, this kind of makes sense, but it was a bit heavy going. I went on to do a counseling certificate course at college and optimistically I was like, oh yeah, you know, I've got this, this is great. Um, this is going to be a breeze. I'm going to go off and become like a counselor. But what I didn't realize that that actual course was helping me to do a lot of inner work. Um, so that sort of started to take shape. Every so often, I used to get crystals given to me by a random person. It's like, oh, that's really pretty, but whatever. It didn't mean anything to me. Yeah. And then they just gather dust somewhere. And then my actual journey to where I am now pretty much started in 2013. It was at a phase where I was beginning to feel confident in myself on a physical, like, aesthetic level but internally there's obviously a lot of wounds and traumas that I did need to heal then 2013 I met my uh not my Reiki master per se but a Reiki master and he had no idea about my story didn't know you know anything and then I said to him as a joke because I was really aware of the chakras and how they work but not really knowing what to do with them So I said to him, by the way, just to let you know, my solar plexus um, has left the building and hasn't come back. So he just thought, what the hell does that mean? You know, so he's as if you've had Reiki, you know, when they scan all the chakras, he got to the solar plexus and he just literally was like in shock thinking, oh, God, this girl wasn't even wrong. Like, where on earth is your solar plexus? How do you not have one to realize it was so depleted? Because obviously my confidence, the willpower, this inner self-belief obviously was missing. And as we know, solar plexus connected to emotions, very highly emotive, but very suppressed with my emotions. So he goes, okay, well, we need to work on this. I'm actually going to share this because it's really such a very powerful thing that happened. So in this particular session, he goes, well, I need to ask whatever's blocking you. I need to ask for permission to heal. He goes, do you sense anything here? I said, yes, I sense somebody in the room. And he goes, do you know where? I said, yeah. He goes, I'm sensing somebody on your right hip area. So I started to smile, but I was a little bit scared. So he goes, okay, well, he put his hands on top of my head and, you know, asked for the whole permission. And the guy said, 
Um, so it was a guy. He goes, I'm, thank you so much for giving my release. I'm good to go. And basically, it was this beautiful soul that gave me my kidney because I've had a kidney transplant. Oh, wow. And he didn't get his closure maybe from his soul perspective. So up until that point, I had infections, in and out of hospital, near-death experience on three times. Um, anything and everything that could go wrong with my transplant literally was. Until that point, that kidney always felt like a foreign thing. It's never something that belonged to me. It was like, it's just there and I'm here. But anyway, after that, the guy, you know, he just went, thank you, I'm done. It was so powerful that even my right, Reiki master, even he was just like, what on earth just happened? So in all the time he's been doing this work, he never came across something like that intense. To me, it's just like another day in the office. Oh, here we go. You know, tea with lots of dramas, Miss Diva. And that's when things started to shift. But again, as you guys know, it's not just, okay, yeah, I had healing and off I go and skip off into the sunset. Yeah, exactly. So we know now that traumas are in layers. And I refer to them like onions. You cut an onion. There's so many layers until you get to the core. And even in the core, there's so much complication, right? So obviously a few layers were sort of making sense. And rose quartz, so the lovely crystal rose quartz, beautiful color. The amount of times I've repelled that crazy, insane crystal because I just kept repelling love. Like, you know, you know what love is, you know what you want, you know what you want to attract, but every time it came to me, it was almost like I wasn't good enough or worthy enough to, to receive it. So I just kept repelling these rose quartz, probably chucked thousands away, (laughs) but he kept saying, can you please keep these rose quartz? Cause it's driving me nuts. (laughs) So bit by bit, my house started to fill up with rose quartz galore. Like if my house could be pink, it literally would be. And so I guess in answer to your question, that's where it all sort of started. Um, but we're like everything. We like everything. We get absorbed with everything. But soon we start filtering out what now lo- no longer serves us. Um, I'm now at a stage, and this is something really amazing. Me and Kyle, um, your previous guest, we discovered was when I did a reading, I can't actually wear crystals. So the fact I'm wearing this Labradorite and this Amber is purely because I'm working with you guys where energy exchange is happening but on a day-to-day basis I can't actually wear crystals anymore because um I've done my job like I've done what I need to do with them for myself the answers are all within so now I don't actually need to work with these and I never even knew that existed and even for Kyle for him it was like oh wow and the message that came through was um innocence and purity and white and high priestess And then the next card that pulled up was Queen. And I was like, okay. So it just made sense. I've come into my own now, but with the use of Reiki and with the use of crystals. And that's kind of why I want to give that to people. I love that. Wow. So cool. I've never heard of anybody who has trouble wearing crystals or who has a hard time with it because they're just pure love and light. And Tulsi, you are that for sure. Thank you. But yeah, honestly, like as soon as I put it on, like my, I, cause I make crystal bracelets now. So, um, because we're at the moment, I'm not able to see people. So my whole concept is I'm here to plant seeds. I'm not here to water them. So I give people the toolkit, you know, water made with love, seeds made with love, what they do with it, it's up to them, but where I can't do that now. So I make the bracelets and set the intentions so I thought, well, I've got these beautiful beads. So I'm going to make myself a bracelet, did the whole cleansing process. As soon as I put it on, my arm felt like lead. I couldn't actually move it. So if you imagine getting a, you know, those um, vaccinations where your arm just goes heavy. Yep. That's literally what happens when I wear crystals now. So, um, yeah, and Moldavite, if ever you've worked with Moldavite, that oh thing. Oh, my gosh, I have Moldavite on now. <laughs> I can feel the heat because I'm literally sweating right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I, so I can't hold it. I can't work. So when I was working in a crystal shop, I had to get my assistant or somebody else to manhandle the thing because I just physically couldn't, because I'm literally 
throwing up or sweating or probably fainting. Oh my! It's so interesting with Moldavite because I got Moldavite. um, I was introduced to Moldavite by um, a friend who was so passionate about it. And then I became like obsessed. I was like, oh my gosh, Moldavite is so amazing. And then I got this beautiful piece and I wear it um, as a necklace. And then just after wearing it for nearly about, about maybe eight months and then this just switch changed and it was like no Moldavite, no more Moldavite. So I had a break (laughs) from it. And then it came back when I was learning about how I, astrologically I live on, um, or astrogeography, through astrogeography, I live on, I'm born on and I live on a Pluto line, which is challenging because that's like transformation constantly can't keep up with myself and then I also live on um, Neptune line and they say that Moldavite is really good for helping anyone who lives on those lines so I was like I can't put my Moldavite back on yeah <laughs> I mean, how those affect us that way we're like I have moments like you mentioned rose quartz before where I just don't really feel anything about it like I like it but I don't feel drawn to it I don't feel excited by it it's not really yep attention to and then other times I'm like where's the rose quartz I gotta get yeah. that <laughs> it's they call to us or we're repelled from them depending on what it is that we're going through and what we're experiencing it's cool yeah I agree and like just last week yeah last week I did a meditation so I've started to do you know running a meditation every month and every month there's a different theme and obviously February it's a month of love so to speak so the theme was self-love and I on the preparation sheet, I wrote about the few crystals that we could be working with. And it wasn't to say you need to get everything, but, and then I started to explain each crystal and their individual property towards self-love. Everyone's like, thank God, I don't have to have rose quartz because there are other things I can use besides rose quartz, but that does the, but that does the job. And I thought, thank God, it's not just me who repels this <laughs> rose quartz thing. Having said that, like I said, my house is filled but every single one of those rose quartz are doing a different job to each other. So just because their one name is rose quartz, um, but they're all vibrating different energies. So again, that's what I teach because some people go, well, I've got rose quartz. I don't need it. It's like, well, this piddly little tumble stone isn't going to cover your whole house. Mm-hmm. It's barely just going to help you on a very yeah. superficial level. It's true. So, so people get very limited with, well, I've got rose quartz. Well, I've got this and I've got this. It's like, whoa, chill out. What <laughs> you might have. Quartz. <laughs> that's a chunk of rose quartz. Oh, hello, rose quartz. Oh, that's a beauty. Yeah, I was speaking to Tulsi the other day because I was like, I don't I don't want any more like small ones for a while because I have so many small ones. Yeah. So I reached out to you. I need to come back to you because the one you sent me, the pink one, I was like, oh, like yeah highlights yeah highlights i really i really want to learn more about the feng shui and crystals from you because this is fascinating yes please can we talk about that because absolutely i'm in the process of building a house so tell me where to put all the things (laughs) no absolutely so like the way i work um again when i was in the shop you know people would come and buy stuff and like so i've got this what do i do with it which is a valid question because again we would do the same if we bought any crystals And often or not, you say, okay, well, just carry it or just put it there. And it's like, no, let's not be sloppy about this. Let's make these things work at the optimal. You know, it's like when you buy a plant, you don't just shove it there. You ensure it's at its optimal. So some prefer sunlight, some don't. You, you know, this is the same with this. I'm very much a person of no hard and fast rules. I don't like this whole limitation placed on things because that stresses me out. So like for you, Becky, (laughs) yeah, like for you, if I said rose quartz and I said the same for you, Daniel, where I'd ask you both to place it would be so different. It could be the same piece, right? I might say, Becky, you need to keep yours by your bedside cabinet on the right-hand side. But Daniel, I might say, actually, I think you should keep it on your dressing gown facing you. I mean, dressing table, sorry, facing you. Or I might say, keep one in your living space where one or two other people might be in your vicinity and therefore it's working at a optimum level. So mm. as soon as I started to do that, I realized that's where my gift is at, where 
I literally zone in and I can see exactly where these crystals are going in your house. And I've never seen your house. I don't even know how many rooms you may have. I don't even know how many bathrooms, gardens, drive. I have no idea. But I just know that's what you need to. And I might even say, actually, Becky, I, yeah, maybe wear the rose quartz. But, you know, Danielle, actually, maybe put it in the garden right at the back. You know, it will be so individually done. Mm. And then what I do is like, say you do buy the crystal from me or I I know what your crystal looks like. I'll program that crystal in such a way that I'm actually speaking to it as an individual being and telling it to bring out its power, bring out its magic and do your work at this yes. frequency. Because that's so important, right? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. an important part of it. Yes, I don't get too bogged down with the cleansing aspect of crystals because, again, people, especially when I'm at the bracelet, so, oh, my God, how do I clean it? I haven't got time. It's like, chill out. I've already programmed (laughs) it. If you put it in water like you might wear it in the shower, hey-ho, it's okay. Nothing's going to happen. No one's going to melt. The world is going to continue. We're good. And then I I said, and I said, (laughs) once once you get that crystal, you'll know what it feels like. You'll know wow, I feel really good. Soon as you lose even an element of that feeling, that's your cue to go, okay, I need to kind of cleanse it. Either, like I would say, running cold water, moonlight, sunlight, um, placing it on like um, selenite, a bed of amethyst or um, citrine, like the the geodes, um, sage cleansing, incense smoke, what about Himalayan so said, salt? I've heard of people doing that too, like a bed of Himalayan salt. Yeah. So the thing with um, Himalayan salt, like we are fortunate that we do get good quality, but often or not, it might not be a good quality piece. Okay. So sometimes it might just do nothing, if that makes sense. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, so salt lamps are good as well. So if you've got a really quality salt lamp, Himalayan salt lamp, you can place it near it and set your intentions. And often or not, I've actually reprogrammed big pieces of crystals to work again because some people are like, I'm not feeling anything, nothing's happening, I'm just going to chuck it away. Or I literally feel and, like that with this one. It's so pretty. It was given me as a gift, so it wasn't one of those that I... It's got. a fluorite. Oh, yeah. And it just oh, beauty. It like it's here. It's just, it's just chilling. It's similar to mine. I know mine's rose quartz, but look how similar they look. I know, they look very similar. So you, do you see, you can see line formations in them. Mm-hmm. So Danielle, you see your fluorite. So those layers are literally the layers of the heart that you would work through to get to your actual spiritual heart. So that fluorite is something you would work with if you're doing heart work. Um, Beautiful. So whereas if you get like purple purple tone fluorites you'd use for focus so like really good for education Uh, it's called the um, stone of genie or something like that it's so cool I love having people on the podcast who talk about crystals because it just gives me an excuse to touch them (laughs) I think me and Becky are the same way we're like we can play with crystals now this is fun (laughs) I just love them I know yeah (laughs) I'm gonna put it aside now I'm gonna you know what um i have um labradorite i don't i never know if i say this right but um oh my gosh me too i always is sorry it guys you have a big one though mine is a big chunk of one i got it but one. this one gives me nightmares where i'm being murdered or attempted murder and i had to take it out of my bedroom because i had it on my bedside table and i'm like you're asking for it oh no so i've been sleeping with this labradorite next to my bed which I'm pretty sure Carl told me not to do and um and um and I've been having these crazy dreams of being of of attempted murder or murder like it got to the point where I was getting murdered and I was like whoa like they were so detailed and all of the detail of the dream was me trying to get away and me figuring ways out and I was really good at it actually so it's not really like I'm scared uh, it is actually um, when a friend of mine were looking up the meaning of it, it was saying um, that it's actually like bringing you closer to the people who were in the dream with you, because a lot of the time it's my family and me. And it's like this, this, these people plotting against us and then we we have to get away. But it's just fascinating. 
<laughs> oh, Labradorite is one of my favorites. It's also Kyle's favorite as well. So yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but Labradorites, if you look at it, it's like a, a mirror almost because it deflects. So yeah, that is for sure what is happening. It's I, I remember where I got this one as well. I got it from, do you know the fossil? Um, it's called something fossils in London. It's near the British Museum. I got it from there. And I just remember the day because I went to the British Museum and I went oh, to the nice. like, what's it called in the British Museum? They've got some kind of, um, they've got like a massive part of the museum is like dedicated to like magic and like um mystical magical things and they have like crystals and and shells and mm. really cool things and they have this person who's super famous his black stone that he used to use he was one of the queen's magicians Ooh. and he had this black stone i don't know i don't think it was black obsidian um but he used to do a lot of magic stuff with that it's like crazy and then i got this and now i have dreams of like murder but yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I love that. Crystals impact us and different ones impact us differently. So Tulsi, when people come to you to work with you on this stuff, do you find that they come to you at like transitional points in their life or do they just come whenever to just get information about crystals? When do they work with you? I would say more of the transition side. So, um, you know, something we talked about before we even hit air was like human design, for example. Like when I learned I was a projector, obviously at the time I was like, oh my God, what is a projector? Oh, this is something foreign. Because obviously in a generator world, us projectors have no hope in that respect because we were sidelined. And you know there's something different about you, but you don't know exactly what. So where I understand my purpose is I bring people about and their truth. So when they come towards me, it's because they're ready to face their truth. I didn't see that at the time because I thought if people are avoiding me, it's because of the way I look. Maybe they don't, they're not comfortable. But as soon as I learned that the magic and power is I help people bring their truth. Now, whether they're ready to reveal it or not, that's a different factor. So when they come to me for the crystals, it's literally the same. They're like, oh, I'm just looking for something for my anxiety. I'm like, okay, no worries. We'll work with this. Oh, and then this happened. And then I went this and then, you know, I had a miscarriage or I had this accident and then this happened. And, this, and I'm like, okay. So they weren't ready to share that when they first met me because they just came for an anxiety type crystal but then they just felt so comfortable to share the truth now I know my role as a projector and what it means it's so nice that I know that this isn't a personal thing when people aren't ready to come to me whereas before it's like why are you not seeing me? I help people with crystals. I help people. And then recognition. Exactly. <laughs> Otherwise I and get it, bitter. <laughs> yeah. And then I get the burnout. So <laughs> but now it's you like, are, I know how to. You're a shadow worker. I, oh, completely. I, com oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. And so when I learned they're coming for their truth, I could see it from a mile away, what they're coming for, whether I know their story or not. So I'm already prepared with, what crystals they need to be working and where it needs to go. Then if they're ready to commit to buy it or, you know, oh, I don't know, it, it looks a bit crazy that I've got this big stone. I'm like, wow, they're still worried about how something looks compared to how something's going to help them. Mm -hmm. And eventually three, four months down the line, they're like, oh, by the way, do you still have that crystal? I'm like, no, it's gone. These are things that don't ever hang around. Um, so, I get, I get a variation, but I think I get a lot more for transition because they are now ready to make that commitment for a change within themselves. They don't know what this change is. I guess none of us really know what the change is. We just go along with it. But um, that's what they do come for. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I felt the same way myself with shadow work. Like I always felt kind of like the weird kid and like nobody understood me and stuff like that. And it took me a long time to realize it was just because I operate within the shadows and people who are afraid of their shadows are repelled by me. And it sounds like you are very much the same where if somebody's not ready to stand in their truth, it's like yeah. oil and water. Like they're just like, like they're not going to come <laughs> And when they are, it's like magnetic. 
They exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've always said this and I didn't realize, but I always looked at myself like this lotus, but only because I thought it was a pretty thing. But the lotus grows in the mud. This mm-hmm. is where it develops, right? Now, it'll either die if it's not nurtured in the right way or it'll grow and eventually come out of the mud. Uh, I refuse to be dead in the mud. I, you know, I very much was building myself solid in the mud, in the dark, not knowing at which point these this beautiful blossom was going to come out. And now it's out. It's like she stands in her beauty, in her own truth. And I very much own that, you know, and I'm not here to apologize for being who I am. And that's the bottom yes. line. And, <laughs> and I love that. And Tulsi and I met last year and we, and you like helped me so much with human design because I think I put out a story and I was like, any projectors out there? Cause uh, I just found out what this means and I need help. And you were like me and, um, you helped me so, 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 so much. And I, I remember a part of what we were both saying is that we we get ghosted, right? We get ghosted by people and we've been like, what have I done? What did I say? Uh, how do I like taking it so personally and thinking, always thinking that it's something that we've done and not knowing that it's just our energy. Mm-hmm. And I also found out that my midheaven is Scorpio, which is like deep. And I was just like, whoa, like now it makes sense. And I'm just like, if only the younger me didn't take it so personally for so many years that I was like changing who I am, thinking it was my fault, trying to keep up, trying to like, you know, like getting annoyed at myself and I didn't have the energy or I didn't have the desire to do things but then still overly like do 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 doing things until like late at night it's just wow and it's, yeah. I just felt that just massively helped me with my my journey with myself and being like much much um, more gentle with myself you know yeah oh totally and um now I know that I'm a projector energy honestly I feel so relieved I finally feel at peace because everything that I've been chasing and running and consuming after was never me. It was obviously something put upon me. And obviously, as we know, a projector is one of the most conditioned. So we have to do the most deconditioning. But I've been doing deconditioning for a long while, way before I even knew what human design was or when I got introduced. So every time that I learn something, it doesn't actually throw me off it's not like oh my god I can't believe I'm literally like yes finally it makes I sense. can sleep for you 10 hours I can sleep for 10 hours a day I can nap <laughs> <laughs> I can say no <laughs> I remember when you first were like getting into this stuff and I was like I bet you're a projector I remember telling you you're only supposed to work like max three hours a day and you were like what <laughs> yeah that, that didn't fit my lifestyle back then I was like no yeah that really hit me and I remember when I first found out I was a projector I was like I just want to be a manifesting generator <laughs> I was like I just want to be able to go 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 because I'd been going and going for such a long time to overcompensate and to try and get recognition and prove my worth and like show that I could do it that I just burnt myself out. Like I'm still dealing with burnout now. Like I, in the last Mercury retrograde, which was just as, just as we record this Mercury retrograde is just over. I had another burnout. Like I spoke to both of you uh, briefly about it, but well, Danielle a lot, cause we recorded that podcast, <laughs> but I, I had another burnout and I was just like, I, this is like what you said, Tulsi with the unraveling. I'm like, Oh, I think I've, I've rested. I think I'm, you know, um, resting as I should be resting but I knew that I actually wasn't so I've been sleeping and just giving myself the permission to do that has been such a a work in progress because there's still that part of me that's like get up for God's God's sake go and do something there's this these things on your list go and do it so it's still a process of just allowing myself to rest and now what I tell myself is I'm like I'm resting for the world I'm resting. I'm resting to heal the world. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it absolutely. Good, but it's true. Yeah. You know, like even for today's podcast, like I purposely didn't take anything on throughout the day because this is me working because obviously I'm delivering. And so I had to honor that. But years ago, I'd have done 20 things before this podcast. So come this podcast, 
I probably would have been chatting about things, maybe not hearing your question, my mind somewhere else. Oh my God, when are we finishing? You know, all of that would be going on. So my work isn't productive. Whereas now I recognize that to deliver this one thing, I'm going to have to rest. I'm going to have to preserve so I can deliver. Obviously my other job as a motivational speaker. So again, I've been invited for seven places on International Women's Day to be a speaker. The reality is I can't do seven talks because by the time I get to the end, I'm no good to anybody. I'm not going to deliver my message. It's all going to be random. So I've had to honor myself and whittle it down to a minimum of, well, maximum of three, sorry, because that's it. But before I would have been like, no, but you have to imagine all the people you're going to let down. That's the X amount of follower. And it's so much pressure that just wasn't mine to carry. And the first thing now, anything that comes to us, the first question should be, is this even about me or is this even for me? And as soon as you know, it's not off it goes because a not self loves to kick in and put its two pence in when in actual fact, it's got no value. And mm. um, and also, if you're living with um, generators, manifesting generators, depending on which centers are open or defined or not, they amplify us or we amplify them. So I know I amplify my, I live with my granddad. I amplify a lot of his truth. So he avoids spending time with me because he's not ready. But then I amplify, he, he amplifies the pressure and the rush. We need to do everything now come on, six o'clock, wake up and do this. And I'm like, I'm just knackered. 10 minutes in his presence, forget talking to him. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't realize that. He, he's like one of those people that paces. And if you missed it, you've missed it. He's like that, very restless. But I used to carry that thinking I was really useless and I'm lazy and why can't I have this drive? But that's not me. And as soon as I made peace with that, I've expressed to him, stop putting your stuff on me. It's nothing personal. I need time out. And it's good because he respects that. He doesn't understand human design, but he respects I need this. That's good. I actually mm. did that recently with my sister in the opposite direction because I'm a manifesting generator and she's a projector. But she goes to work at a nine to five job as a school teacher. Mm. In high school. Mm-hmm. And she's <laughs> over afterwards. And as a projector, she's carrying their energy. And so she comes in and she comes in and she's like spewing that energy out. And I love her so much. I've told my sister a thousand times. I'm like, I'm going to need you to go just like cleanse your energy, be somewhere <laughs> else. I love you. Or I'll go somewhere else for a little while. And then when we come back together, we'll be okay. Because manifesting generators, typically we're supposed to be go, go, go. But for some reason, I don't do well when I do that. For all the same reasons as you guys, I burn out quickly. I think it's more to do with, I can't spread myself into multiple different things. I'm mm. When I start to dissect it out and I have a bunch of different things I have to pay attention to, I'm less potent across the board. So I need to reel myself in and go, my energy is for this and it's for this and it's for this and nothing more. You're good at that. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. But that's really effective. It's effective for you. Yeah. Until there's other people in the room and it's like, now I'm carrying your shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And also uh, as projectors, we're here to help guide you to use your energy effectively compared to the old paradigm where we was go, 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 burn out, burn out, burn out. we are come here to guide you to say, actually, you don't need to go through a burnout stage. You can still go, but at a nice pace rather than a manic pace. And, you, you know, you're already managing that, which is so fantastic because you're prioritizing what's important to you. You know what doesn't serve you, so you don't spend too much time on it. And so each project that you work on, you're giving it your all, which is so fantastic. Yeah. I'm a and I'm... hustler because of Becky. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> I had a, you say it again because I don't know if people will hear, hear what you said. <laughs> yeah, I'm a recovering hustler where Becky and I had an Akashic record session probably like uh, just a little less than a year ago where she was like, you need to just take a step back <laughs> and look at all the shit that you're doing and maybe pick the things that you actually care about and get rid of the other ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's amazing. I mean, I had project projector burnout at age 26 when I lost my kidneys, you know, you know, call a spade a spade because 
my kidneys burnt out. They couldn't handle it because obviously yep. I wasn't living to myself. Wow. I was living obviously complete false life. Mm-hmm. So when I had that physical burnout and it cost my kidneys, I didn't know at the time, but now I know that's where projector burnout. We usually, if we're not living to our correct design, a projector burnout roughly is about midlife crisis. I mean, quarter life crisis, sorry, which is 25, 26. And every so often you'll get it until one day you're just living your design and going, okay, I'm a projector. This is who I am and make peace with that. And so many projectors have like digestive issues and like IBS and that kind of stuff. And, and like skin issues because skin can be uh, affected by your gut and everything and hormones. (laughs) And yeah, that's me. Like that is seriously me. So like just going on a journey of really, um, cause I'm consecutive as well in human design in the digestion. It's like hmm. one thing at a time. And I am so conditioned yep. to want to do it all. Like I, and my um, self node is in Virgo. So I love control and lists. And I like being like, my day is like, I wake up at this time. I do this. Then I do this. Then I eat this. Then I do that. But I just burn out every day. And I, it's so not sustainable for me. And I'm like, when are you going to realize that it's got to be one thing at a time? You have to find your way to that North node, that Pisces. Yeah. And it's a journey, isn't it? Yeah. Um, So we know. Yeah. Cause Danielle and I are both Pisces Mm -hmm. North node, Virgo South node. So you get it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. And I think that this is so relevant to right now because so many people are burning out, right? Even people who are spiritual and, you know, um, helping people and are uh, healers or uh, coaches or, or whatever, you know, Reiki masters, they're burning out as well because we're taking on so much and we're not necessarily you know, when you know something like, for example, I know I should be living a simpler life, but I just, there's just this part of me that's so conditioned to love to like do it all. And I'm slowly peeling it back and, and, and really taking it step by step. But before that, I just kept reaching. I was just a constant thing for me, burnout. And what's the thing, you know, like when you get um, glandular fever, stuff Mm. like that, like just the burnout from, just being just being doing too much and and saying yes all the time and you know the whole boundaries thing and everything like that so yeah I think everyone anyone who's listening have a nap today or (laughs) (laughs) say no to something (laughs) Tulsi I don't know how you feel about this but I feel like since the pandemic started it's like healers are sort of in the spotlight in a way that they never have been before because across the board everybody had to take a step back and go inwards both literally Mm. and metaphysically and at this moment we're sort of stepping up and doing more than we've ever done before do you think that's a big part of it oh absolutely because if you think about it you know lockdowns obviously we're at home there's only so much you can do at home right it's you and your four walls Now, for me, I loved it because where I've been doing the work, I was made for lockdown. You know, I was like, hey, this is your shining moment because having faced my truth for such a long time, working on the shadow, to to sit on the four walls and look at myself is actually not hard work. But for someone who's always been go, 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 go to work, come home, go to work, come home, where do you have that time to work on yourself? Because this is where suppression comes in, right? You go out on a Friday night with your friends, have a few drinks or whatever you do, you can suppress things or you eat or, you know, whichever method you use to suppress. Now, here you are, four walls, working from home, cooking at home, sleeping at home. Everything is in one place. You have to face yourself. Now, that's what was tough for so many people to look at who am I? And this is where that mud thing comes in. Nobody likes to be in that mud. It's suffocating. It's horrible. It's lonely. But that's what we've got to get through to come out to the top, to actually really see our light. So I've had a lot of friends who've struggled so much. This year, we hear the word mental health thrown out more than we've ever heard, probably, because it's at a really pivotal stage. But no one teaches us how to look at ourselves from kindness, you know, where to go and reach help because 
everywhere we go to reach help, they're going through their own trauma. So, of course, people are going to come to healers and suddenly go, oh, you're sorted. You can help me and not realizing that this healer is also going through their own trauma. But I'm very fortunate, like I said, and like with you, Danielle, we know we do shadow work. So, in effect, it was no different to what our day-to-day life would be like in general. Because yeah. every day I face myself. that I do the work. I've been doing the work, which is why I've got my liberation. You know, I say this very, very frankly. It's like if I was to go today, I'm going happy and content because what my soul came to do, it's done that. Anything else I do now is just complete bonus. And I'm really content with that, you know. Like if somebody said to you, what's next? I don't know. I don't care. Whatever the universe throws at me, go for it. You know, I'm not, I need to do this. And I, I'm not into that anymore because what I came to do for my sole purpose, I've done that. I've, I've removed the shackles. I've worked through the trauma of my accident and the loss. And I own my scars in every which way, invisible, visible, whatever you want to call it. And I want to be able to give that to someone. If we can remove some shackles from people's chains in their mind or wherever, then that is what we need to be doing, especially in lockdown, especially where we're isolated and can't reach out to somebody in a physical form. I'm a person who likes to be face-to-face with somebody if I'm talking. Us doing this on a video is great, but imagine how powerful it would have been if we were in the same room together. The energy would just be so much more different. It's not to say we're not putting the effort in, of course, like we are, but face-to-face is where the magic is and where a lot of people don't have that right now. You can imagine the loneliness they're feeling and not knowing where to go. So of course, any healer that they might hear of, they're going to latch on and it doesn't always mean that's the right one, but they will latch on. And sometimes it's heartbreaking to watch somebody go for something and go, no, that's not what you need right now. But you have, as a projector, you got to, button it and go as a projector i was gonna say watch (laughs) this watch the show or switch it off and walk away (laughs) but yeah oh my gosh that's so true tulsi this has been amazing i'm so thrilled that we had you on this is an amazing episode and i think you are such an inspiration and if people want to get in touch with you how can they find you online um so i'm on facebook dulce vag journey um instagram dulce divine 108 and my crystal page is Crystal Sensation 108, although I don't actually post a lot on this. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. We'll have all that information listed right with the episode so everybody can find you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. This has been Thank magical. You. Thank you so, so, so much. See you all next week. Thank you guys for having me. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.